us right now on MMA FanCast as we prepare for the blockbuster card UFC 211. We talk about all things UFC. What is going on in the world of the UFC? We talk about UFC 211, obviously. We talk about the sale of the UFC. Frank Shamrock says it was the perfect timing. Was it? We talk about Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather lost the date they were targeting for their fight to a boxing match. Boxing has stepped up their game in the two weeks that UFC and Bellator did not have an event. We talk about all those things and much, much more right now on MMA FanCast. MMA FanCast, it is absolutely a thrill for us to have you here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a very special episode of MMA FanCast, and I'm going to tell you why. When we started this, this is episode 28, we also have some special episodes that aren't included in that 28. We had some uh, live podcasts from covering UFC 205. We've had some uh, regional podcasts that we uh, did not include in the in the usual weekly rundown. So this is 28 weeks uh, of... Uh, and we actually missed a couple weeks um, due to vacations and scheduling issues. So, um, you know, this is episode 28 um, of the MMA FanCast. And all along, the plan on MMA FanCast was to have solo episodes where, you know, just one person would kind of take the reins and do a podcast and go over different topics of their own choosing. And really, we haven't had that happen until today. Today is the first MMA FanCast solo cast edition, and it's just me. I, I don't have anyone else to introduce. I I don't have anyone flanking me on the left or flanking me on the right. It's just Rod Dog, and um, we're gonna talk about some MMA news, UFC news, what's going on in the world. Uh, we're also gonna add in some talk about boxing. <laughs> There's been two weeks, ladies and gentlemen that major MMA has not been a factor. There's been no UFC events. There have been no Bellator events. And so we've been, the past two weekends, there has been some boxing events. And boxing has really capitalized on this opening that they I don't know if they strategically planned this or not. I'm going to think that they did. There's pretty um, smart people and and um, in, involved here. So we're going to talk uh, a little more about that and just what's going on in MMA. I mean, you know, we have a lot of things that are going on in the UFC. Uh, a lot of things. We talk about UFC being sold last year and... 
You know, in the headlines recently is Frank Shamrock talking about, hey, it was the perfect time for the Fatitas to sell. That, you know, he doesn't see, he sees that it was on its large upswing and all of the big money players were still involved at the time. Ronda Rousey was still involved at the time. Conor McGregor was still an regular fighting pattern at the time. Um, people like Brock Lesnar were in the mix again, and he's a big name and a big, you know, a big fighter. And so um, what what Frank Shamrock's saying is that, that it was the perfect time. And, and to, just to read his quote here, he's talking about um, it's the perfect time to get out 100%. He said, you know, the discord is coming, the regulation is coming, the government oversight is coming. So, yeah, that's the time to get out. The brand's had a great run. It's built up. A, a girl's beautiful globally. No one knows what, uh, what it's really like. Perfect time to get out. I mean, I applaud their business. They're great businessmen. I knew they would be super successful with it, but at the same time, I wanted to be respected at work. I want to be cared for. I want my values to be acknowledged. Now, Frank Shamrock expressed these things, these types of issues with the UFC and the way they do business very early on. Uh, and we hear a lot about a lot of complaints. We hear a lot of fighters who, and we'll talk more about these guys later, we hear a lot about fighters who are not content with their situation. Now, we've stated long and hard on this podcast that we're not going to get into the who's to blame, should fighters be paid more, all of those nuances. We're, we're not going to get involved with that. Uh, we don't really have, uh, as fans of the sport, that's not what we want to really spend our time focusing on. We want to spend our time talking about fun stuff, cool stuff, and enjoying the sport. And uh, there can be things that we can talk about that aren't enjoyable. Sure, absolutely. But we want to spend a majority of our time. We're doing this because we love the sport. And so to sit there and bash or look at the negatives is just not what we feel like why we're here and so and i say we because um i'm not used to speaking alone uh uh, mma fancast and octagon 247.com which is the website that we are hosted at and provides us some additional content as well in addition to the podcasts and you can go back and listen to all of the wonderful podcasts with uh jim sahara mooney and with Terry Dactyl, and with our newest member, Johnny Stats, who wants to be known as the Midnight Driver. Um, you can go back and listen to all of those. However, um, I, I really speak for myself at this point when I say that, um, you know, MMA's come a long way. And... The UFC was sold for $4 billion, and there, ha- there, there has to be something behind this constant 
disgruntledness with many of the fighters. Now, fighters that have made a name for themselves, fighters that have caused there to be a great following, fighters who have um, really reached, have their own audience, have their own brand, that have reached the pinnacle in the sport, that have marketed themselves. So, some of these guys haven't even reached the pinnacle of the sport. Your Chael Sonnen's got title shots, but he didn't reach the pinnacle. He was never a champion. He was never a title. Um, you know, he never defended a title. And yet he was able to capitalize. He was able to market himself. And not Listen, we don't want... A bunch of Chael Sonnen's in the UFC. However, as we've stated many times, having and showing your personality and maybe turning it up a notch, being who you are, but turning it up and cranking it up sometimes. Uh, we don't, like I said, we don't expect everyone to be a Conor McGregor. As a matter of fact, uh, it would be disingenuous. It would not be received well. And, um, yeah, but perfect time to get out. That'll be a topic that can be debated, um, for quite some time. However, I, I think the, the short term is not the end game. And I don't think they made a short term investment. I think they made a long term investment. And so I, I think only time will tell as it, as it relates to, if Ken Shamrock is right, or Frank Shamrock, rather. If Frank Shamrock is right, whether it is the was the right time for the Fertitas to get out, for for the the business to be sold. And, you know, IMG WME has come in here. And from what I, I haven't seen a, a ton yet, but from what I've heard from Dana White, he is super excited about what they bring to the table. And Dana White's a very smart man. And so um, I can't help but that make me excited. I, I see a, a future. I see a, you know, I don't think there's ever been a, in the UFC's run since, you know, Forrest Griffin and um, uh, why am I? Because well, I forget everyone's name. Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner, um, since their run on The Ultimate Fighter, I don't think there's been a period of time where there's been, you've been without some a couple superstars. And, and Dana White said it not too long ago, he doesn't think this is a sport where you're going to have eight to ten superstars like Conor McGregor at any given time. You're going to have like two or three real true superstars at any one given time. And I think, I think he's right. I think that you're only going to have two or three people possibly at any one time that are those superstars. Now, I think, I, I don't know if anyone's ever going to reach the heights that Conor McGregor has reached. And it's been a short period of time. It's only been a couple of years is does What if he sticks around like a GSP and stays on top of the division, or or Anderson Silva stays on top of the division. Where could he be with a long, lengthy, legendary um, title run? What kind of legacy could he leave with that? And 
and how good of a superstar could he be? A little off topic, but um, WMEIMG has their work cut out for them because they don't have as much of the superstar aspect of it now as they, they did when they bought the organization. Now, I think that's basically what Frank Shamrock is, is leading to, although new superstars tend to tend to rise with opportunity. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Um, for those of you, we were talking about Conor McGregor, and those of you who have not heard, Conor McGregor Jr. has been born. Conor McGregor Jr., uh, Conor McGregor and D. Devlin's son, was born, um, I think, sometime over the weekend, I believe, or maybe even Friday. I believe it was Saturday, though. Saturday morning, maybe. Um, I Congratulations to, to Connor. That is such a, um, having your first child, I, I can tell you all what a special moment that is. And I think this could be the catalyst to prompt his next career move in the next couple of weeks because when you are preparing for birth and you're trying not to, the reason why he's he is has not been fighting is because he did not want to um, stress out his D. Devlin, he did not want to stress his longtime girlfriend out. And she gets very stressed when um, he prepares for fights and when, when he's actually fighting. And so he didn't want to do that to her while she's pregnant. And I can tell you when you have a newborn, it's not nearly as eventful as you think. And so I think he might get a little stir crazy. And uh, over the next couple of weeks and start to really think about, okay, what's next? What's next fight? I, I, I think that some things will happen in the next couple of weeks, and I'm hopeful that that happens. But his son, Conor McGregor Jr., was born. And I got to tell you, he has quite an Instagram following already. They activated an account for him that they run, and he already, as of like Sunday morning, had 20,000 Instagram followers. So, Conor McGregor Jr., already able to move needles without even being able to speak. And we all know how well Dad speaks. So, someday, Jr. will, I'm sure, take after his dad. For those of you, for those of you who um, live under a rock or just became... MMA fans, um, Anderson Silva was the long-time middleweight champion. He held the 185-pound strap for uh, years and years. As a matter of fact, um, I think his first fight in the UFC, well, I know his first fight in the UFC was against one of my favorites, and it was a uh, a fight I was anticipating and looking forward to. And I remember it was a, uh, a fight night. I don't know what they called them at the time. But it was in front of a very small crowd. It it was like an ultimate fighter finale. No, it wasn't a finale. 
but it was a small Las Vegas casino um, arena, a small arena, and the crowd there was, um, it was full, but it was very small. And I remember watching it and and Lieben in the um, in the promos was you know with his pre-fight interview was saying you know you're need you're gonna need to go back to Japan where fighting this is real fighting here and and uh, and you know hindsight you see that Anderson Silva became one of the greatest of all time fighters. And he was a good fighter prior to that, but he did not have the any type of legendary status. He was just known as a, a pretty solid fighter and uh, had flashes of greatness. But, you know, he wasn't um, someone who was undefeated or just on a tear or anything. But he, from that point forward, he was. Well, anyway, Anderson Silva, long-time UFC champion held that belt for quite a few years. He basically said he wanted he was demanding a a UFC interim middleweight title fight with Yoel Romero. And Dana White just shot that down. I I just find it um very interesting that Anderson Silva thinks he's in a position for a title fight. Now, we saw Dan Henderson get a title fight in the same division against the same champion, who the current champion right now is Michael Bisping. We saw him get a title fight. How is it any different for Anderson Silva to ask for an interim title fight and I, I just don't – I think it's very odd that he wants this. I think it's odd that he has this – maybe maybe he just wants it to put him one fight away from a, a title fight. Um, I think ultimately he's not who he used to be, and he, doesn't, he shouldn't be um, thrust into any type of title picture. At 185 or any other weight class for that matter. But here's what, you know, when he, he, Anderson basically um, insisted on it being a title fight. Anderson Silva was, fa- was scheduled to face Kelvin Gastelum at UFC 212 or 213. I'm, I'm not quite sure without. Or, or two twelve. It's it, okay. So it's it's here two twelve. He was supposed to take um, on June third in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. He was supposed to fight Kelvin Gastelum and Kelvin Gastelum. I gotta tell you, I, I'm I'm so disappointed in him. He was given this as an opportunity. The guy has missed weight on numerous occasions. The guy has not been professional on numerous occasions. And what happens now? He fails a drug test. Thankfully, it wasn't a performance-enhancing drug. It was marijuana. However, that takes him out of the fight. He shouldn't be doing that in the first place. The guy has had trouble 
keeping weight, and so he says he wants to go back down to 170, and here he is smoking a drug that makes you really hungry. Go figure. Um, Kelvin Gastelum, is he the new... Is he the new king of bad decisions? Is he the new MMA? Is he going to rise up onto the throne of bad decision-making in MMA? I mean, there are some kings up there that, that, that stand tall of bad decision-making. I can think of a couple. But Kelvin Gastelum is young. He's at a peak in his career. John Jones being the king of all kings. At, at the peak of his career. I, I, I mean, not peak. I, I actually don't think he's at his peak. I think he, he has a lot more to learn and to grow and to get better. And that's scary. The level of talent he has is very high and I, I i'm i fear he will continue to waste that away i fear that he won't ever become steady he won't ever become um solid and that's really what we want to see we want him to be the solid fighter we want him to show um, be able to show his skill, his talent, and he has plenty of it. And to be able to see that is um, what we want. And when he's when you're given the opportunity to go out and fight the greatest fighter of all time who's past his peak, that's giving you an opportunity. That's handing you an opportunity and you, again, you just squander it. You spit in the face of those who give you the opportunity. And I'm sorry, Kelvin Gastelum. I would be done giving you opportunities. You're going to have to create your own opportunities. It's, it's, it's disgraceful that he has been that unprofessional. And it's disappointing because I think he could do great things. And I think he still could, but he's got to pull himself together. If he he could turn the way of John Jones and keep this up, or he could um, pull it together and become the beast that we know he is. He, I mean, I think he's got a lot, a lot of potential. So Dana White, back to Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva. So now he he doesn't have a fight. And there's been some fights that have been rumored. There's been, um, it's it's said that Silva turned down a fight with Luke Rockhold, a fight with Vitor Belfort, um, and now the names that are being thrown around for Anderson Silva are Ovin St. Peru and uh, Shogun Hua, which... Any one of those, I would be happy to see. I think the Rockhold fight is the one I would most like to see. But, I mean, Silva turned that down. That's odd to me. He does want to fight Yoel Romero. So, 
Um, we'll see what happens there, but he wants it to be a interim title fight. Here's what Dana had to say about that. He said, this is a TMZ interview. He said, we will not do an interim title. No, it won't happen. Bisbing's ready, willing, and able to fight the actual number one contender. Who is Yoel Romero? Anderson Silva's ranked number seven right now. Anderson's mad. I didn't pull Kelvin Gaslam out. Kelvin Gaslam smoked weed, and now he got busted, and we've done everything we could to make another fight for Anderson. So it's nothing we did. Every time for the last however many years, dealing with Anderson is always interesting. Obviously, he wants an interim title. Obviously, we're not going to give an interim title. We're not going to do an interim title, rather. He's definitely coming out publicly. Uh, talking about the demands he's making. He says, you know my philosophy on that. If you ever say the R word, speaking of retirement, you should probably do it anyway. If you're considering retirement, you should probably do it. So that's a situation that we're, I mean, it's just going to end up shaking out. I do think that Anderson Silva will fight on that card. He wants to. It's in his uh, home of Brazil. And you, I know he loves fighting in Brazil. I am going to say that Anderson Silva will accept a fight. And it's just a matter of who it's going to be. I think he's strategically wants to put himself in a position to be closer to a title shot than he really should be. And that's where the interim title comes in line. Now, has he earned that right? Has his years of having some spectacular knockouts, having some dud fights as well, and having some strange behavior have has has his name and his being the greatest of all time earned him the right to demand a an interim title fight now i i'm not a fan of interim titles uh, interim belts i think they should be used and created as seldom as humanly possible and only when absolutely necessary for that reason alone, I would be highly and strongly against this being an interim belt. And I don't think interim belts mean anything. I don't think they're something to be extremely proud of because you're ne you've never you were never the champion. You're just catapulting to the number one contender spot. And a number seven fighter with the record that Anderson Silva's had over the course of the last couple years shouldn't be nowhere in title contention. So I would, and I'm going to be the first to admit my, I might be biased toward against Anderson Silva because I'm not a big fan. And I, I, I think that, um, I'm that, that could be biased if he was in the same situation and he was Chuck Liddell, would I feel completely different? I don't know. You know, I was never a, a thinking that Chuck Liddell late in his career was, should have been in contention for a title fight. I can tell you that when he beat Vanderlei Silva a couple years past both of their uh, primes, I was not in favor of him get it, catapulting himself up to a title contention. So I don't know. But uh, speaking of Chuck Liddell, it's a good uh, little segue here. <sighs> And this isn't even something I, I wrote down to, to discuss, but, you know, it, it's been in the headlines. Chuck Liddell 
Um, there's been rumors that he's considering a comeback. Now, this comes on the heels of, you know, with the WME IMG um, purchase of the UFC, they got rid of some of most of the um, ex fighters positions that they had that were basically not even working positions. Uh, from what I understand, there were basically ways to keep those guys on payroll that had d done so much for the company. Maybe they did something. I I'm not sure. Regardless, they got rid of those positions. So Matt Hughes was one of the fighters that was met, uh, uh, let go and Chuck Liddell was. Who was kept was Forrest Griffin, who um, we spent some time with in in Cleveland at UFC 203. And um, he, he was a great guy, but he was working. He was always um, there, and he's always present, and he's always looks like he's he's working. And so uh, I think he took that. It's been said, I've heard the rumor is, that when they gave these jobs out to these ex-fighters, like they all knew what it was, and it was just a way to keep those guys on payroll and and. Forrest Griffin didn't get that memo and just kept showing up for work every single day and doing work. And, and, uh, so that's, that's rather comical, but, um, yeah, Anderson Silva, I don't believe there should be a, a title fight back to Chuck Liddell. So the rumors are that, you know, there was an Instagram post with Chuck Liddell. Now listen, Chuck Liddell is, my favorite all-time fighter. He's the guy that um, when I got back into watching the UFC after it had ap appeared to be underground or not readily available, it came back on Spike TV um, via the Ultimate Fighter and back in the mainstream and findable on cable television again. Well, not again. I think it was, you know, on pay-per-view when I first started watching it um, in the early, like, UFC 2s and 3s. Um, that was on pay-per-view. But you could you, you could find it advertised, and you heard about it, and that's how you ordered it. And then all of a sudden, uh, you didn't hear about them anymore. You didn't hear them advertised. And they were illegal and underground and... Um, at least I didn't hear about them, or maybe it was just because I was in my early twenties and or late teens and um, struggling financially, and I just couldn't afford it. I, I I don't remember that, but that could very well have been the case. So Chuck Liddell is being rumored. He's I think he's forty seven now. Has been rumored to potentially want to come back and fight again. There's pictures on Instagram with him looking in phenomenal shape. And that's all fine and good. And the last thing in the world I want to see is Chuck Liddell fight again. I mean, I love pulling up my, my Fight Pass subscription and watching an old Chuck Liddell fight. Particularly ones before he lost the belt to Rampage Jackson. But I do not want to see him fight at 47 years old. I don't want to see him get hit in the head 
it got to the point in his career where you just had to tap him on the head and he was and he was falling down. And this is a guy that was so resilient and so durable and could take a punch and was a beast and all of a sudden he's going to sleep with with a, a knock on the head. So the last thing even with seven, I don't know, how long has Chuck been retired? Seven years, eight years? I don't know. I think it was 40, 41 when he retired. I think he's 47 now, so maybe six, seven years ago. The last thing I want to see is Chuck take another hit. I, I believe that Chuck's speech has slowed. I believe that Chuck is... Um. Yeah, I don't know. Now, that being said, I will also say this. I thought physically and movement-wise, Chuck's fight against Rich Franklin prior to him being knocked out, I thought he looked as good as he ever looked. I really do. And actually, I wish Chuck Liddell... I feel like he didn't even train uh he he held he was a top dog for years in the light heavyweight division and i don't even think that he was um as nearly as focused as he could have been and i think he started getting more focused later in his career i think when he fought rich franklin he was really having m- Great training camps. He looked physically better than he he ever had. He looked more dynamic in his striking. He looked very fluid. And I just think the problem was he couldn't take a punch anymore. He was beating Rich Franklin until that point. He was controlling the fight. And as a matter of fact, I think that, that'll be a fight I, I go and take a look at again. But the last thing I want to see is my favorite fighter... Go in there and get hit in the head again. I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see him not be able to speak. I don't want to see him looking like some of the guys that have taken too many hits have looked. You're Evander Holyfields. He's his speech has obviously been uh, slurred and damaged, and so. Yeah, that's just not something I want to see. Dana White, over the weekend, was at the uh, Canelo fight. Uh, And so, the Canelo, or I mean the, yeah, Canelo Alvarez and, and Chavez Jr. fight that happened, the boxing match that happened this past weekend. And Canelo's due to face Triple G, GGG, um, on September 3rd, is it? It, Regardless of the date, it was the date that they had eyeballed for Floyd Mayweather and... And uh, Conor McGregor. And so now that date is gone. 
That's no longer a possibility. Not with that. Not with that fight coming. So Dana White, you know, admitted that that was hey we we've lost that date, and so they'll be looking at other dates um, if they can even put that fight together. Which I'm questioning myself if that fight is ever going to happen. Who knows? I think. We're going to find out in the next couple weeks. I felt like I was buying the hype that they were closer. That they were very close to reaching an agreement on a fight date and pay and all that stuff. And then it just went dark. And now Connor had a baby. Well, he didn't actually have the baby. I mean, we're not really capable of that. But... Him, his his longtime girlfriend D. Devlin did, and um, I I just don't know the whole McGregor Mayweather thing. I I don't know. I I have my doubts as to whether that'll happen or not, and I'm leaning towards not, and that's a shame because there is a lot of money to be made, more money than these two could make against anyone else at this point um, significantly more. And so if that, if that fight doesn't happen, that's a darn shame. Regardless of the outcome, I I don't, I am not a believer that Conor McGregor has anything to lose. If you lose a boxing match to the best boxer of all time, and you're not a boxer, you, what did you have to lose? I'm sorry. There's nothing to lose. You say, wow, I, you know, I think maybe if I had trained boxing only for a year, maybe I had a shot, whatever. You have built-in excuses. You have nothing to lose. You're not losing your belt. You're not losing um, your legacy in MMA. What, 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 what does he have to lose? I think Floyd has more to lose. Well, I don't even think Floyd. I think neither one of them has anything to lose and too much to gain for this fight not to happen. That's... And if it doesn't happen, that is a shame, and I just don't get it. Moving on, GSP, George St. Pierre. Um, last Tuesday, on May 2nd, he put out an Instagram. He was in Madison Square Garden at a, I don't know what he was at, um basketball game i don't know what was he in madison square garden for hockey not real sure but he was in madison square garden and he sent an instagram picture with him and um he basically stated on um his instagram that he could be fighting at madison square garden square garden garden um for his next fight. And so the next fight is expect the next UFC card in Madison Square Garden they're expecting to have it in November. So he's basically saying um that he could be fighting there next if they agree and targeting November. Uh and then on Friday, so 3 days later, he Leaves a video Instagram and he says, Mr. Bisping, 
I cleared my entire schedule to get ready for training camp. I, I, this is a horrible accent. Never mind. I'm not even going to try it. I cleared my entire schedule to get ready for training camp after the summer so I can fight you anytime after October. You pick the date. Let's get it on. So he's saying after October. Now, if you jump back just, I don't know, a month or so ago, Michael Bisping was interviewed and they're talking about he was talking about hearing that GSP wanted the fight later, later, later after the summer, later, later. So Bisbing says, long story short, it looks like GSP is trying to push for a later date. I heard rumors of that a while ago from Ariel Hawani. I heard that they wanted September, October, and that's what the UFC told me as well. But I'm just throwing it out there right now. If he wants to wait until September, October, then he can go find himself another opponent, buddy, because I call the shots. Without sounding like an expletive, it's my belt. I'm the champion, and I'm not willing to sit around until September or October. Interesting. That came up uh, about a month ago. And then GSP is just saying, okay, I'm ready anytime after October. So even later than what Bisbing was thinking, months after Bisbing said, that's too late for me to fight. So he's talking about too late for me to fight September, October. And then GSP's like, well, I'll fight you after October. Ha! Very ironic that the challenger who has who is, has been inactive for three and a half years now or however long it is, by then it'll be at least three and a half years, maybe more, is calling the shots or at least attempting to call the shots in this fight. And so that is very interesting to me. And we'll have to see if how this all shakes out. A lot of these things, you know, how did how does this play out? How's it going to play out with with um, the sale of WME? How's it going to play out with Anderson Silva wanting an inter, uh, interim belt fight or he's retiring, which I, I don't think I mentioned, but that's what he was basically threatening retirement. How's it going to work out with Conor and Floyd losing their date? How's it going to work out with GSP and Michael Bisping? Are they actually going to fight? Will Bisping take a, give Yoel Romero the shot that Yoel wanted and rightfully deserved? And then GSP fights whoever wins? I, I mean... That's not unreasonable to me. Listen, it's May right now. Romero and and uh, Bisbing could fight in July. And then July, August, September, October, November. Four months later, they could fight again and make a lot of money. And so I would, if I was Bisbing... You're the champion, but if you want a long title reign, don't fight. <laughs> but if you want a good title reign, if you want a legendary title reign, if you want to become something 
special and memorable as a champion than defend the belt. So far, you've only defended the belt against someone not even in the top 10. So, if you want your title reign to mean something, you got to fight. I would not be opposed. I mean, I think... I actually think Romero is a good fight for him. I think it's a better fight for him than GSP. I think for Romero to win, it's got to be a one. It's going to be a one punch knockout, and it's very possible because when Yoel Romero hits you, you fall asleep. And Bisping's pretty good at not being hit flush, but I I I think he would outbox him. I think. He, he's really good at um, avoiding takedowns. He's very good at getting up from ta- being taken down. I don't think Romero will be going for that those things, but I think he, if anyone could take Bisbing down and hold him down, it would be Romero with his uh, wrestling credentials. How that'll shape up, I'm not sure. We'll have to wait and see. Al Ayakinta. I don't even... Ayakinta? Ayakinta? Quinta? I don't know. Anyway, Al Ayakinta. The the guy is... This guy is an extremely talented guy. He's a Saralongo guy. You know, training with the Weidmans and the Saras and the Matt Saras. You know... But the guy is nuts. He has been very discontent with the UFC. It appears as if many of these things are his... I mean, he's causing a lot of these things. And and he has kind of taken to Twitter and just ranted about many different things. He has declared himself the new UFC president. He has gone on and said many outrageous things. I think he's truly um, discontent with the UFC, but I also think he's taking it way overboard. And being very extreme. And like I said, you see these guys like Conor McGregor and Nick Diaz and um, who else? You see these guys that are talking and making a lot of money. And I don't know. I think he has a very outgoing and boisterous personality. But I don't know. This just seems, seems contrived to me somewhat. Um, but he is a, he is a kind of a wild man. So there's some things that have happened recently that he, he basically destroyed Diego Sanchez, something that hasn't been Diego Sanchez has been in wars where he got hit so many times. You wondered how he was standing and he wouldn't go down. And if he did go down, he'd get up like a zombie, like the undertaker. He would be looking like he was dead and he would get up and it wouldn't end. And he would just keep coming. And guess what? Al Iaquinta 
fought him two weeks ago or two and a half, three weeks ago, whatever it was, and annihilated him in like a minute and a half. Just destroyed him. Something that just not... The talent that this guy has is... It's great. He's a, he's a lot of promise, a lot of talent. So he knocks out Diego Sanchez in very good fashion. And I got to be honest with you, I don't quite remember who won fight of the night or the knockout of the night or whatever. The bonus that Iakinta thought he should have. But it was also a very, oh, you know what? It was, um, oh, what's the guy's name? I don't remember. The guy, he threw an elbow. Oh, I'm so bad with names. It's like ridiculous. I can think of what he looks like. He threw an elbow and just destroyed. Um, yeah, I can't, it's not coming to my head. But anyway, it was, it was a great knockout and very worthy of knockout of the night. And Iakinta was livid that he didn't get the $50,000 bonus and basically said that, you know, expletive the UFC, blah, 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 just went on and on about how he, how disgruntled he was and how upset he was and that he did not think that he didn't want to fight for the UFC and now he's saying cut me and all this stuff. Well... It, we've come to learn that in there have been a couple things that the UFC has made a couple things that happen sorry for me stumbling here a couple things that have happened with Iakinta that made him ineligible for a fight night award and first he destroyed a hotel room at the MGM Grand in Vegas after UFC 183. He beat Joe Lazon. And then the next time he fought, he was swearing on national TV uh, while addressing the crowd at uh, when he won a, a controversial split decision over, over Masvidal. So, and then, in addition to that, he no-showed the 2015 UFC Fighter Summit in Las Vegas. Now, he came back and said he gave UFC fair warning that he wouldn't be attending. Um, UFC disagrees. They said uh, his story about the summit, the part he left out was that he never called us to tell us he didn't get on the plane. He never called us to tell us not to send a car to the airport to pick him up. We had all the arrangements for the hotel. All these things were arranged, and he never bothered to call us to tell us he wasn't coming, which I think would make anyone mad. We sent a car to the airport to pick him up, and he wasn't there. He never called us to say, I'm not coming. Not calling us, not telling us that he wasn't going to show up, having to send a car to the airport to pick him up, literally, and him not being there. How immature is that? To call him not say, I didn't make the flight. I'm not coming. It's immature. That's what the UFC said. So, he's also been 
prone to injuries. Um, he has had plenty of injuries, and he complained that when he had a major injury, that um, the UFC he had to beg the UFC to cover the injury. And so here's what the UFC said about that. He said they said it was a chronic injury, and since it was a chronic injury and not something that happened while training or fighting for us, the insurance denied it. There were also a number of alternatives that could have been done that would have been covered, but Al insisted on using a specific surgeon back east. The UFC paid tens of thousands of dollars to cover that out of our pocket without any obligation to do so since it was a chronic injury, which means it's happened it happened over years and years and years. Mr. Ayakinta never once called the medical team or Dana to say thank you. Instead, he talks about how he had to beg for it, which is not true. We agreed to do it. We paid for it. The entire medical team assisted uh, through his surgeon getting this done and getting it paid, and Al never once called anyone to thank them. Instead, he goes out on the Internet and says he had to beg for it, which is absolutely 100% false. That's a lie. I can't... Uh, I, I, I have to think that he is the type of personality where he just has a chip on his shoulder and you're not going to appease him. Like, you should just quit trying. I don't know. I don't think that he's a... He, he's a loose cannon. I don't think that he's someone that um, I want... I want to see the guy fight, and I want to see him beat people up. Uh, he's re I, I really like him as a fighter. And I haven't... I mean... I, you kind of forget about him because he he's not active. He's either fight not fighting because he's mad, not fighting because he's hurt. He's just not active. Is he one of the top? I think he could be one of the top guys in the division. I don't think we'll ever know that because I don't think we'll see him consistently. And now he wants the UFC to cut him. We'll see what happens with that, how that plays out. So that's, that's what we have for the how's it that going to play out. Um, taking a look, you know, um, the next fight card is this, this Saturday night for the UFC 211, a card we went over in detail on episode 27, our last episode, you can catch that on iTunes or right here on the site at octagon247.com. This is Ryan Middleton with MMA Fancast. We are um, going to take spend a couple minutes looking at Saturday night's card. Stipe Junior Dos Santos, the headlining heavyweight champion, baddest man on the planet fight. Who will be called the baddest man on the planet come Sunday morning? I can't answer that. This is a tough one. I I, I know one thing I'm going to do. And I already wa I already rewatched Stipe um Alistair Overeem, but I'm going to rewatch the fight 
with Stipe and Junior Dos Santos from several years ago. Where Junior Dos Santos, I believe, and I'm going to pull this up just to make sure my memory serves me correct because that sometimes isn't always the case. But I believe that um, it went to a, it was a unanimous decision from for Junior Dos Santos. And um, as I pull that up, um, UFC on Fox. U a unanimous decision. Yes. And that was in... When was this card? December 13th, 2014. So almost... Almost two and a half years ago. Uh... Where has each fighter come in the meantime? Well, since that fight, Stipe has won four straight. He beat Mark Hunt. He beat Andre Arlovsky. He won the title against Verdum. And he defended the title against Overeem. Which, if you rewatch that, if you watch that fight from UFC 203, you will see that Overeem threw a left jab that put Stipe on his butt. And it was a flash knockdown. And I think Overeem immediately jumped on the guillotine, which I think was a mistake because I think if he would have gone in with an uppercut or went in with a, you know, went in to not, take the fight to the ground, but to continue with striking, I think that that fight could have come, I, I don't know. It could have been a different outcome than Stipe getting a big comeback in front of the hometown crowd in Cleveland. Everyone went home that night, despite Jessica I, who was the other Cleveland hometown fighter, getting picking up a loss against Betch Correa that night. I think the crowd could have went home very happy. I mean, very. Uh, they still went home very happy. They could have went home very unhappy had Overeem um, kept that fight a striking battle when he had that flash knockdown against Stipe. Anyway, so that's where. Stipe's been since this since that fight. Junior Dos Santos, on the other hand, he has been. He's only fought twice since then. He beat Stipe, then he lost to Overeem. He got knocked out in the second round, and then he beat Ben Rothwell via unanimous decision. I think this is a really good fight, guys. I think this is a a barn burner. And I think that there will be, um, it it could be a historic fight where we're looking at it afterwards and saying, "Wow, like that was awesome." Those are well, the ones we think aren't always the ones that end up. Uh, we'll see what happens. 
Jed, uh, Jedrzejczyk versus Andrade for the uh, strawweight championship. I I like this fight. I think this could be a really good fight too. Damian Maya versus Ma Masvidal, another great fight. I I favor Maya. Frankie Edgar and Yar Rodriguez, another great fight. I am fired up for this card. I can't wait for Saturday night. Sergio Pettis. Sahedo. Nice main card. And guys, that's not the... You look at the main card. The prelims has one of the best main event prelim I've ever seen in Eddie Alvarez versus Dustin Poirier. Eddie Alvarez's redemption fight from his loss to Conor McGregor. Dustin Poirier, who can strike with the best of them, except for Conor McGregor. <coughs> Excuse me. So, I'm excited. You need to tune in. This is a must-see pay-per-view card. UFC 211 this Saturday night. Um, exciting stuff. So... I thank you so much for joining the first ever UFC. No, what am I saying? Not UFC. MMA Fancast. Brought to you by Octagon247.com. The first ever MMA Fancast solo cast. Brought to you by Ryan Middleton. Thank you for joining us on behalf of the entire crew here at octagon247.com. This is Ryan Middleton signing off and saying thank you and God bless.